Kristen, and you're listening to Podcast and Amplify, a podcast for women entrepreneurs who want to amplify their voice and brand through podcasting and grow a wildly successful business. I'm the executive producer and host and an entrepreneur, and I love helping women grow their visibility, mindset, and business to the next level. Each week, I share tips on how to launch and leverage your podcast, and I'm bringing on the very best business leaders to give you advice on how to build your business empire. Let's amplify your voice and business. Hey there, welcome back to Podcast and Amplify. Today, we're talking about a topic that I think everyone deals with at some point in their lives. We're going to unpack self-doubt bit. And I'm really excited to have Yuritzi Gomez Serrano on today. She is a licensed marriage and family therapist and trauma-informed somatic coach. She supports entrepreneurs and change makers in transforming their self-doubt through nervous system regulation so that they can feel safe and worthy in living their most aligned life and business. She's a first-gen immigrant from Michoacan, Mexico, and after years of overworking and burnout in the nonprofit world, she decided to become a coach and do what she does today. Welcome, Yuritzi. Thank you for having me. Yeah, so can you tell us about a pivotal moment that led to where you're at today? Sure. I feel like it was a culmination of different moments, but the first one was when I was working in the nonprofit world. So I'm the eldest daughter. Um, I'm an immigrant myself, but that holds a lot of weight in families being the eldest daughter, especially in Mexican families. And there was so much being asked of me. So when I was a teenager, there was a very interesting moment where I made an agreement with myself that I wasn't going to feel anything. So it was like, I'm going to try to shut off my feelings as much as possible because I just feel too much. And it felt like I didn't know how to find relief. And so my sisters would laugh at me growing up, or especially like in my late teens, early 20s, like beauty doesn't cry for anything. Like nothing phases her. She's always like very cool, calm, collected. And so I developed a passion for social justice going into college and I wanted to be a lawyer and wanted to do some work around creating policy, laws, different things that could create change and create a more equitable world and equitable country. And so I ended up as a community organizer. And for those that know community organizing, it's a pretty intense job. You're working with community members to build the power, like local power that's through like building community and education to go and advocate for different policies, laws at the local, state and national level. And so I like hit the ground running. And after probably a year of working, maybe nine months to a year, I started to develop these really intense chronic pain. So I had back pain all the time. I had really intense migraines. I couldn't sleep. Like I was jittery all the time. And I would do like the meditations or I would I would do the things that I needed to do or what people said that I should do, but it would only calm it down for a little bit. 
And then it would come back up again. And I actually scheduled a trip to Mexico for three weeks. I was like, I'm I'm going to go visit my family. I'm going to take a break because I was working like 12 hour days sometimes and even seven times a week. Like It was really intense because I have so much passion around this work. And so I really wanted to do my best and, and help serve the community. And when I went to Mexico, like within a week, all my pain was gone. And it was like, wait, what? <laughs> How is this possible? So there already was this um, implicit, it wasn't something that I really spent time on, but there was kind of this implicit, like noticing of, oh, like there was this pain and it wasn't necessarily medical because I had gone to the doctor and they said there wasn't anything wrong necessarily. And so that experience happened. And then fast forward, maybe seven, eight years later, I was pregnant with my first daughter. And again, that was like another pivotal moment where even though I wanted to work or I wanted to do these things, I couldn't because of the morning sickness, because of how tired I felt. And there were so many instances where my body was like, this is all we can do. And my mind was like, no, like we need to push through or we need to do these things. So I had her and um, fun fact, I had to have an emergency C-section because I didn't progress. And I felt so much shame around that. And after talking to, um, she's a body mechanic coach. And so she knows a lot about the body. And she told me based on like the symptoms that I was having, that it's likely that my psoas muscle was so tight. That's why I couldn't dilate. And that if I had pushed my body that I would probably have had some really intense physical issues in my back and even felt worse than what I feel now. And so all of that to say, all of these stories, all of that to say is that there were so many instances where my body was talking to me around what it is that was wrong and I would not listen. And self-doubt, and I'll connect to the body right now, but self-doubt and any kind of limiting beliefs that you have or what people think are limiting beliefs they are just indicators of what's really like going on underneath. And some of it is also the internalized um, oppression and things that we have absorbed from the majority culture because we haven't seen examples of people like us in leadership or doing things or because we were explicitly told that we weren't smart enough or things like that. So being able to understand that there's these signals of thoughts or these signals of emotions that you have and being able to not just work with that mentally and actually bring the body in is so, so impactful and creates so much shifts because your body's always going to tell you like, we're, we're going to be activated because we want some, we want to tell you something. We want to let you know something's wrong. We want to let you know to stop. We want to let you know. And so pairing that together creates such, such an opportunity for deep transformational change. And that's exactly what I do in my coaching. I can see the connection between, you know, your experiences of pushing through, denying emotions, um, having that pressure of being the oldest daughter in a Mexican family, which is like no joke. <laughs> I'm the youngest of three girls and I look at my oldest sister and I'm just like, Wow, how did you know? How did you do it? And then combined with the external world, lack of representation, and it all playing its part in your emotional well-being, in playing out in your body in different ways. And that's why I really wanted to talk to you about self-doubt because you approach it in this way. And 
I think it's so powerful to sort of get to the root of these things and going deep into like the nervous system, talking about, you know, self-doubt somatically. So I want to start with what are the two different types of self-doubt? Yes. So there's the self-doubt that I think all of us have experienced. I think probably both types we've experienced, but the one that's very normal is when you are going into a new role, going into a new position, anything new. And there's a questioning of like, oh, I don't know if I'm cut out for this, or I don't know. A lot of people call it imposter syndrome, but it's relatively quick. So it's like you go in, you kind of get a feel and you're like, oh, no, I can do this. And then it kind of passes. It eventually passes. There's another self-doubt where there's like an innate feeling that there's something wrong with me. So there's something wrong with me that somehow I can't change. Therefore, I can't do this thing or I can't be successful in this thing. Yeah, it's like a more deep-seated thought about who you are, not something that you can like figure out or overcome. Exactly, exactly. Got it. Okay, and then so what are some of the reasons that you know we have self-doubt? I think depending on your identities, you're going to have different levels of self-doubt depending also on the thing that you're doing. And so um, if you're a cis, white, hetero man <laughs> in this, country, it's very easy for you to overcome self-doubt for the most part. We're not factoring in trauma and all these things. But um, when you are someone that's even more marginalized and have not seen, again, like examples of people like you in these roles or doing these things, there's more of a like, well, can I even do this? And also being explicitly told whether that's by counselors, by parents, by elders in your community by peers, like you can't do that. It develops that self-doubt. I think there's also the, when, when you factor in trauma, there's like an experience that you have at a very young age or any kind of very intense experience. Usually what happens, it, it gets registered in your body. So it's like, whoa, this was really intense. We don't want to do this again. <laughs> and this is all happening subconscious. Like you're not actively thinking this way, but this is how your nervous system reacts to it. I don't want this to happen again. So we're going to create a belief. <laughs> so that way we like encounter this belief and that's going to almost serve as a protector for us. And so if you were someone, and I see this so often in first gen kids, there's trauma in around schooling where maybe they, they were the first in their family to speak English, like, you know, all these things. And they go and they present or they go answer a question and they're wrong and they have people laughing at them or like being looked at a certain way. And so then it registers like, oh, this was really hard. Let's just develop this belief that we're not smart. So that way we don't try and we don't we don't expose ourselves to experiences where we can get hurt. And so then we carry on that belief like, OK, I'm not smart, I'm not smart. But it's not that you aren't smart. It's just that that was a belief that was developed to protect you. And that's my specialty. I love working in that space because once we dismantle that, then it no longer is carrying the weight and you can work through whether it's mindset blocks or just like shift things that are a little bit easier versus like that really deep internal belief. I think this is why I wanted to speak with you other than the fact that you're obviously very qualified in what you do, but the fact that you acknowledge those experiences of the systemic issues for marginalized communities 
feeling from different people and in different places that already set up a feeling of lack. So of course, you're going to internalize those things. And that's going to contribute to your sense of being competent or being even enough, even, you know, trauma from being a immigrant or a first gen, you know, these are really important layers that I think not everyone talks about, but they are so much a part of our experiences. You know, how often have we heard, you know, like white dudes be like, I'll just figure it out. And it's like, wow, that would be, must be really nice to have that, that attitude and just acknowledging that not everyone has that privilege, um, I think is so, so powerful as a part of what you do in your work. How does your nervous system then factor into these beliefs and these feelings that kind of get set, (laughs) you know, through our experiences? So I'm going to try to do like the quick and dirty kind of explanation of your autonomic nervous system. So your autonomic nervous system has three three states. So it's the safe and social state. So that's where you feel most at peace. You feel like you're able to engage with your peers, with your loved ones. It feels a sense of safety and calm. So all your organs are working. Everything's kind of doing its thing. Then you have when you get triggered, when something happens, um, and some of these things that happen are very real. And we want the the other reactions to come up because they are survival reactions and we want to survive, right? So the other parts of our nervous system or states are not bad. And I want to really reiterate that. It's just that we sometimes depend or not depend, but we get into these different states too much for too long. And that's where we see the, the issues in mental health and even physical health. So say something is triggering or something feels like there's danger, you're going to get activated and you're going to um, go into the fight or flight response. So this is where there's a lot of energy. So whether that's like, I'm going to fight or like, I'm going to try to move through this trigger or overcome this thing or I'm going to flee, I'm going to run away. And there's literal hormones and things that get moved through your body and your heart starts racing and all these organs start working a little bit quicker. So that way you have like the ability to do these things. The problem is that sometimes because of traumas, because of overstress that we've experienced as kids, as teens, as adults, we kind of get stuck. We can get stuck in, in these different states outside of our safe and social state. And so when we aren't able to resolve the issue or the trigger is just too big, then we go into shutdown. We go into freeze mode. So this is where um, the feelings of hopelessness, the feelings of like literal like numbness, like I can't move, I can't do anything um, because that's a protective mechanism. Like every animal has it. So it's like there's a problem. I can't fight it. I can't do anything about it. I'm going to shrink and I'm going to make myself as tiny and like not move as much as possible. So that way the problem can like bypass me and not even see that I'm alive. So it's all very survival, like very much for our survival. And it's our body so beautiful and being able to engage in all these different states. But again, it's when we get stuck on these states that it becomes the problem. And so what's really interesting is that when self-doubt comes up, for the most part, it's because we have been activated in some way. Or let me say, either it comes up or it becomes stronger when you get activated. So maybe you've already kind of had that, like, well, I'm not smart. I don't know. 
I can do this. But then when you go into the fight or flight response or the shutdown, you really believe that belief. You're like, yeah, I'm absolutely not smart. There's like this deeper diving into the self-doubt when our nervous system gets activated. And it gets activated when we are reminded of our traumas, when we get when we are reminded of experiences similar to what activated or what created the self-doubt in the first place. So that can be interactions, that could be like societal stuff going on in the world, anything. I think I've struggled with self-doubt a lot. And I don't think I really ever understood how these other factors like societal or even like socioeconomic disadvantages or being a Latina, like all the things that they contribute to those feelings of self-doubt, like that heightens, it heightens it even more and it makes it even more intense. And I think, especially if you're a very self-critical person, like I am, you can just walk around feeling like I'm the problem. And I guess it's just kind of validating to know that you may feel this way, because of traumatic things in your life or circumstances. And that's totally normal and okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's the first thing that I, when I work with clients, it's like, it makes sense. It makes sense. You feel this way. It makes sense. You're having these thoughts. Doesn't mean that they're like great. Doesn't mean that like we're, we're trying to, to, keep them going, but it's the act of validation is so, so important because then we can activate the the hope. We can activate the possibility because you're Mm -hmm. like, oh, so this was done to me. So like I, so this was due to my reaction to the stimulus, to the different stressors in my environment. This is how my body and my mind chose to react to it. Okay. Now I can move forward. Yeah. I'm not wrong. I think that's what a lot of people, they internalize it. Yes. You're not wrong. And they're like, I'm wrong. And it's like, oh no, actually that's not true. (laughs) Everything about you is right. It's just, there are things that need nurturing and support. Your body is doing exactly, or your brain is doing exactly what it needs to do to survive. Right. Okay. So then how do you support people in healing and then embodying that self-trust and and getting to a more confident place? Yeah. So I already said one, like validation is huge. Mm-hmm. And well, first off, we we kind of map out what's going on. So we talk through what are your nervous system states? Because even though there's a lot of similarity and overlap, people react differently when they're in each state a little bit. They have their own flavor. And so being able to map out, like, what is your nervous system like when you get activated? And then being able to identify, like, what are the, I like to call them personal practices instead of coping mechanism, but what are the personal practices that you can engage in when you're in each state? Because usually at least what I've seen and even I experienced when we are in, in a state of, let's say, fight or flight or we're anxious or whatever, we like throw the shame on top of it. It's like, we feel this now, damn, we're feeling this and now we're critical. So it like heightens the emotion even more. And because we're giving it so much of that like energy, it stays more. It's It becomes more powerful. And so learning how to a big thing for for the work that I do with clients is learning how to be with multiple realities at once multiple states at once so yes you can feel the anxiety 
And that's where the somatics come in, because usually the emotion of anxiety or whatever you're reacting to, it's going to be somewhere in the body. A lot of times it's in the chest, it's in the hands, it's in somewhere, right? And so being able to notice that, but also notice, hey, but your whole body's not anxious. There's parts of you that aren't anxious. Can we focus on that? And the act of physical like feeling is like a game changer because we can understand all day long why things are happening and why we're like this, blah, blah, blah. But it's the act, it's the somatics of actually feeling things differently, of actually feeling the shifts that you're like, oh, like I can, okay, like I, I, I'm seeing this, I'm feeling this in real time. And in being able to practice that, the different forms of somatic work that I do, then we take it outside. They take it outside and then they start practicing on their own or they start practicing it with other people to support them to like really solidify like, hey, we're okay. Or like, hey, we can do these practices to help regulate our nervous system a little bit. But it happens in a very titrating way. So, which means that we're not trying to go from zero to a hundred. We want to go step by step by step slowly because that's where most of the growth happens. And I explain it to clients, it's like a rubber band. If we try to stretch the rubber band really fast and we let it go, it's going to pop back together to what it knows because you have embodied that way of being for so long. So we have to like little by little, like stretch it and stretch it and hold it and stretch it and hold it, stretch it and hold it until eventually it becomes a new shape. And so it's a lot of care, a lot of patience. That's why my, most of my clients that I work with, we work together from nine months to a year. And nine months is like the magic month where like things are re- like you're really noticing things that are shifting. And 12 months is like, great. It's a lot of patience, a lot of care, a lot of, I also bring in um, parts work. So looking at, let's say the self-doubt part of us, and this is um, from internal family systems. So looking at the parts of us that get activated when self-doubt shows up, when whatever is showing up and like understanding, like, what do they need? What do I need? Maybe that part that got made fun of when I was younger They needed validation. They needed holding. They needed to like be okay to cry and like um, justice, right? And so like, how can we give that to ourselves right now? So that way we give that part what it needs and we can move forward instead of like repeating that same loop, like unconsciously Mm -hmm. over and over again. Mm -hmm. So those are just some, some of the things I do. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And I love your approach that is incremental. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's the word. Yeah. To push yourself into, okay, now I don't have self-doubt anymore. Like that's not going to work. And you're just re-traumatizing yourself, right? You're like gaslighting yourself. One of my Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, and so you're just kind of setting yourself up to fail. So I love this, you know, slow approach and very, sounds like a very nurturing approach. Yes. That's really what we need, right? Absolutely. It's like those, those wounds from the trauma and from all these things, they, they need that loving care. And that's what's going to get us to a different place, you know, a place of feeling uh, more confident. Hey friends, we'll get back to the show in just a moment. But I wanted to take just a few seconds to invite you to a free workshop that I created. It's called Launch a Binge-Worthy Podcast, and it's all about helping you to create a heartfelt podcast that reaches your soul listeners and grows your business. If you want access, just go to podcastandamplify.com. It's totally free. Okay, friend, back to the show. You were talking about 
you know, going into your body. And I'm such an overthinker. And I remember before I started working with um, a somatic coach, like she, she was like, you I think the way she got me was like, you, you're not going to outthink this. Ooh. Like, like how long have you been in that loop in your mind and what have been the results? And it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess she's right. Um, but yeah, it's like switching from the head to the body can be difficult, but at least for me, I know when I've switched to the body, it happens so much faster, like the noticing and the awareness and the acknowledgement, um, where I, as I can spend like days or weeks in my head, when you listen to your body, like the body tells you very clearly, but I think it can be hard for us to think about the body first. I don't just don't know if that's like societally, like where we're at, you know, and I feel like we're coming to that place of understanding how important the body is, fortunately. And then with people like you helping other people to tap into that, but I don't know that it's always our go-to, right? I think we try to intellectualize a lot. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For the most part, I feel like I agree. Things are shifting or beginning to shift, but that's what's been glorified, right? Like you being able to understand and you being able to conceptualize things. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like I was obviously trained and I'm licensed as a as a therapist and talk therapy was like how we were, you know, trained. And right. very quickly, I was like, oh, this is not, this is not going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. We need more. Yeah. So then I, I went into training like pretty much the next year, year and a half. Like once I got out of grad school, like, no, we got to do some body stuff. There's something else here that just sitting with our thoughts is not enough. And I think that's where like my, because I had a lot of self-doubt, like in all these iterations, like I had these big goals and ideas and I was doing these things. I was becoming a mom. But the self-doubt was like still there. Like the self-doubt was was happening. And if I would have just listened to my body, the body's cues, because there was also burnout happening. There was also fear. There was also like grieving. There's so much there that if I would have just listened to the cues of my body, then I would have been able to move through that and understand that in a much simpler or like felt a lot more relief around that. Mm-hmm. versus trying to like push through and like think my way you know into a solution right right I mean I'm so glad that you felt that kind of knowing you know like the, the talk is not enough we you know we need another layer yeah and then so what are some things we can do when we're in that self-doubt sort of shame spiral you mentioned shame earlier and I was kind of chuckling inside when you were like you feel it and then you beat yourself up for feeling it and it heightens it. I'm like, yeah, that sounds very familiar. And we, a lot of us do that. Right. Um, but what can we do just a, maybe a simple technique or tool to kind of help get us out of that sort of dark spirally place? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this, thank God for my first therapist, even though it was talk therapy for the most part, but she, she gave me a lot of somatic tools actually to help me out of my anxiety when I was feeling it or to help interrupt it. And so the biggest thing is there's a point, say you're having these self-doubt, like these thoughts and everyone's different, but there comes a point where like, no matter what you say to yourself, the self-doubt is still there. So there might be like, maybe in the beginning you, you say it and you're like, no, no, I'm fine. And like, you're able to kind of talk yourself out of it. But once your body gets activated to a certain point, like it starts feeling the intensity, the anxiety, whatever around the self-doubt, your mind is like, 
part of it is offline. <laughs> part of it is offline. The neocortex is offline. So the part that actually helps with reasoning and helps with seeing the bigger picture and like impulse control and all of that, it's not registered. And so body, and I tell this to my clients, body first. So it's like if self-doubt is there and it's and you're feeling in your body like activated and it feels like it doesn't stop in that spirally feeling, body first. And so what are things, and everyone's different and every situation is different, but something that can help kind of guide you to what to do is what feels, what would feel supportive for me right now, like to my body. And sometimes it's the deep breathing. So I love diaphragmatic breathing. So when you exhale longer than you inhale, that really activates the um, parasympathetic part of your nervous system to calm down. So maybe you need some breathing. Maybe you need a meditation. Maybe you need to just be with someone. So like that co-regulation, be with someone and just like get a hug or be with like your pet and hug them, you know? So um, maybe it's that calming energy. Maybe you need to go outside. <laughs> maybe you need to go and go run, go walk. Like what is something that your body needs to kind of start to process the the sensation enough so that way you're somewhat more relaxed or a little bit more at ease. And then from there, then a, a really good one, and this also depends on people, but something that has helped clients in the past is creating a list of accomplishments or creating a list of things that, that you've done that show that you are enough, that you are like qualified for this or whatever, or even calling someone and being like, hey, I'm having these doubt, this doubt. And them being your hype person and be like, no, like, remember you did this. So being able to create that, um, whether that personal list or pictures in your phone or whatever to reference back. Or my coach calls it belief bookmarking. So it's like bookmarking all of the things that like when you're doing like a really good job in whatever area, like document it. So that way you come back to it, but body first, and then like figuring out how can I reinforce that I'm doing like a good enough job and also just like validate. Maybe this is first, maybe this goes along with the body validate. So like I'm having these emotions and I'm having these doubts for a reason and I might not understand, I might not like whatever, but just being like, there's a reason for this. And like, can I be with myself as I'm with this? Yeah. It's almost like acknowledging those feelings yeah. that you're having in, in the first place, they're okay. And maybe let's get curious. Yes. Curiosity is so good. Yeah. And then I love the body first though. I love that because it's like, not mind first, which I have to remind myself, but like body first. And then I love like the evidence, you know, writing things down. And then of course, having the hype people in your life, is just, yeah. <laughs> it's really fun. Um, so yeah, those are really great suggestions. I think to just kind of get us out of, you know, those moments where we're just like really struggling. And even if we're just kind of mildly struggling too, I think those are all really helpful things to implement. I'm so happy that we had this conversation. I think the work that you're doing is amazing. I love that you really acknowledge, you know, the different layers that marginalized communities are sifting through, working through um, in terms of self-doubt. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared. Before we hop off, I want to ask you our signature question, which is what is your superpower? Specifically with clients whether that's therapy or coaching, like being able to feel when something feels very true. Like I get an actual like physical sensation. Yeah. 
And it kind of leads me to whether it's asking a question or like sitting with that or going deeper into something. And it has never steered me wrong. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a beautiful gift. Um, and then how can people find out more about you? Yeah. So right now, Instagram is the best way. Right now, I am currently working with one-on-one clients. I work with, with anybody that wants support. But I'm I'm really enjoying working with entrepreneurs or people that are founders that are creating something and helping to develop that self-trust and like work with the self-doubt to create very aligned and like peaceful like decisions in their life. And I have a couple more spots available. Awesome. Well, us entrepreneurs need you because there's so much that comes up when you're an entrepreneur. It's like all of this personal growth just has to happen, you know, and there's so much self-doubt and like you said, self-trust that you have to cultivate. So I'm excited that you know, you're here to provide that support to entrepreneurs and to communities of color and just kind of understanding and giving that that validation. I think the work that you do is, is so, so important. So thank you so much for um, being on the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciated this conversation. Hey, thanks for listening to the show. So if you found this episode really valuable, I'd love for you to head on over to Instagram and share your big takeaways, any aha moments that you had and tag me at podcast and amplify. If you have any questions, make sure to hit me up in the DMs. And if you have any friends or fellow entrepreneurs who you think would get a ton of value from the show, make sure to share this episode with them. Your recommendations and your reviews are really what help grow this podcast. And we are always so grateful for your support. Thanks for listening and we'll see you next week.